Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry, and we are picking up with the issue of self-control, or specifically the necessity. And this is the last one, right? I can't remember. Oh. Maybe. All right. I bet the listeners are hoping. (laughs) um, We get it. This is all, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, I don't think you do. Um, the last podcast we we dealt with three reasons why it's necessary to practice self-control um we gave three observations the first was that a lack of self-control is simply slavery not freedom we we the second is that lack of self-control is actually an evidence of an apostate spirit and then third the lack of self-control is worthy actually of god's judgment this actually dovetails in a podcast we just recorded on the the true Christian life and it's a life of discipleship and transformation Um, and so all of this stuff just kind of always interacts with each other now you can tell these are not little points though um, on how you can improve your life or figure out how you can get what you've always wanted Uh, that would be what the world's going to be doing true self-control is always going to be a spirit-empowered work that transforms you um, and it's transforming you into that image of your lord and savior so it's a work that prepares you for eternity it's a work that makes you live and walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have and the and worthy of the gospel of jesus christ and, and it's also what enables you to finish your earthly race well. And so we're going to finish it up, like we told you last time, with three more observations on why self-control is necessary. So to jump right into it, the fourth reason it's necessary uh, is that self-control was part of the gospel by way of a call to repent. And Matt's going to read Acts 24, verses 24 and following. Okay, so it says, but some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was uh, a Jewess, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would be given to him by Paul. Therefore, he also used to send for him quite often and converse with him. (laughs) <laughs> That's such a revealing little thing. I mean, he's talk, Paul's talking to him, and he's being very honest, and it scares him. But he also is hoping for money, so he's like, oh, I'll have him keep coming back. Maybe he'll give me a little something-something, and we'll just come to an agreement. Right, yeah. work, work it out. Yeah. Apparently, Paul never did that, though. <laughs> um, so the key there, though, is uh, he, he talked about uh, the term self-control. Literally, it means restraint of one's emotions, impulses, or desires, or, or simply self-control. Uh, and it's actually a very sad story because it's very revealing about what happens when the gospel is told to someone. Uh, Felix was the governor. Uh, Paul was brought before him, uh, for Tertullius had made some accusations. 
Uh, you can read backwards in that chapter if you want to read more. Uh, Paul showed the lies for what they were, really were, though. Uh, Felix knows something of the Christian faith. In fact, verse 22 speaks of him having literally a more exact knowledge about the way. Uh, that's what Christians were called. Um, and he puts the whole thing off and imprisons Paul for another day. But in verse 24 and following, it's is the key. He summons Paul again. And what's the goal? Well, he wants to hear more of faith in Christ Jesus. So what is it? Well, what I find very fascinating about it is in this discussion, though, uh, is the content. What what was he talking? Was he just saying, well, you just need to trust in Jesus. You need to just ask Jesus in your heart or something. No, he's talking about things like righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. So apparently in Paul's mind, when you're talking about faith in Christ, it's a lot more than just having him be your ultimate good. And apparently we're going to have an ambulance come by pretty soon. Um, it, it's something greater than just easy believism. Yeah. Um, and his response is sad. He becomes afraid and he sends him away. We'll let that pass. <laughs> Watch, it'll be right in front of us and they'll do other things. Anyhow, for our purposes, though, what we want to understand is that Paul called this man to repent and this involved doing righteousness and showing self-control. Uh, and, and what I would just simply say to you as you listen to this is that we have to be wary of not hiding that call to follow Jesus. If we're going to believe in Jesus, they are the one and the same. It's actually the error of what's known as the free grace movement. Um, Tulian, I can't ever say it, Chavidjan, that's not right. Yeah, but yeah. anyhow, he, he pushed that. Um, in his books, a lot of grace, but never a call to really obediently follow. And and people start to struggle with what they're to say um, when they're trying to have an opportunity to share the gospel. You know, it's like, well, are you saying then if I'm going to share the gospel, I have to get into all of that? And and we would just counsel it this way. We'd say, well, if you only have a little bit of time, um, well, then if you have just a short time, speak about the need that the person has for the one who can reconcile you to your creator, and that's Jesus Christ. You need to speak about how sin has separated you from God. You need to get some of those basics right away. Uh, you can speak of the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ, how he died in your place, that he took sin. Um, you need to speak of his resurrection because that's the essence of the gospel. But if you have more time, then you need to develop that. You need to develop what sin is. You need to speak of that reality of the judgment to come. You need to speak of what it means to follow Jesus. You speak of bringing all that is your life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. In fact, frankly, I would just simply say it this way. If you're given more time, um, then you need to press more on the reality of what true repentance looks like, um, of how there's this change of mind in life where you stop pursuing one thing and you start to pursue wholeheartedly Christ himself. Yeah, and I like that passage because you do almost see a progression there righteousness, self-control, judgment. So righteousness need to be made right. I mean, this is the gospel, that's that conversion. Then the judgment to come at the end of all things. But in the middle is this idea of self-control, which you could just synonymously understand to be sanctification. Yeah. Um, and so there is that work that you have to do now as a converted person to grow up into the image of Christ. Another passage is 1 Corinthians 9.23. 
Um, you want me to read yeah, that one? It. Okay. So I do all things for the sake of the gospel. So again, the, the bigger point we're talking about is that self-control is part of the gospel. Uh, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it, of the gospel. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we and an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave. What? For what purpose? So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Yeah. Now we've taught on this in past episodes on in this series, so we'll just merely make a couple observations here. Uh, many try to make this term in this passage of disqualified to be speaking of loss of reward, eternal reward, but the word actually speaks of failing the test. Um, in other words, someone shown not to be true or simply rejected. Um, it's it, it's it's actually salvific in its view. Paul understands that you don't live a life of sin and think that because you asked Jesus to save you at some point that now everything is just fine. Um, for, for him, the life of faith in Christ was a very serious work and it had eternity as the goal, uh, specifically eternity with Christ. So don't ever think, in other words, that somehow self-control and living a life that's model of self-control is somehow contrary to the gospel or somehow you're bringing works salvation because paul says no i'm trying to conform my whole life to the gospel and and then at the very end he says you know so that after i have preached to others what's he's preached faith in christ and self-control right uh you know uh that i'm not disqualified yeah. so he's like i'm constantly aware that that's my call too yeah um yeah not confusing grounds of your salvation which is christ alone with one of the means of yes. salvation, which yeah. in this case would be that self-control in the process of sanctification. Uh, fifth then, self-control operates among other spiritual fruit, uh, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Uh, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things, there is no law. Probably the most common passage people think of when considering self-control, um, th there's a tendency to see that that this is a passive event, this bearing of this fruit um, or fruit, having the fruits of the Spirit. It's a passive event that just occurs. We just mysteriously develop this self-control by the presence of the Holy Spirit. But note how the various fruits in this passage are in parallel and contrast to what Paul calls the deeds of the flesh, which comes just before this in verse 19. Uh, it's interesting when you look at it, each of the fruit here and, and a combination of them uh, resist the deeds that he mentioned, uh, plus all others that the flesh might produce. Um, and it's important to understand because if you're not careful, you can think that the fruit of the Spirit and or what's also called walking by the Spirit is some ecstatic or super spiritual event. Which is real common. Yeah, um, and it's not. O often this is seen as like a higher plane of living. Um, you know, that's often taught in like the holiness movement, Pentecostalism, charismaticism, stuff like that. Um, you even see it in what's known as the Keswick uh, movement. It, it's that let go and let God uh, 
kind of stuff where you just become passive and then God will mystically just start to bring things about through you because you possess the spirit. Howard Hendricks used the example of a glove, that you want to become the glove. And then the hand of the spirit fills the glove and then moves over the keyboard of life. It yeah. really sounds cool. Yeah. Well, but deadly, yeah. you would argue. Um, in, in reality, the answer, though, here is found in verse 16 of chapter 5. Paul says, but, so in contrast, I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And so to walk by the spirit is simply a statement of conduct that's consistent with the expectations and instruction of the Holy Spirit, which is found in the word of God. Um, and this is nothing less than therefore life of obedience and conformity, conformity, conformity <laughs> to what the word of God commands Christians to be and do. Why? Because the spirit inspired those words. Yeah. It's not, again, walking by the spirit's not a mystical moment where you're just so in tune with him that you really sense his leading or yeah. something. Or that, trying to be in the, the perfect will. Oh, golly, or that like one. That. Yeah. I, did you grow up in that? I grew up in the perfect will. Yeah, I did. Actually. I, I grew up in just about every screwed up thing you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. And so if life is going hard for you, it's because you're, you're starting to move outside of that will. But once you kind of just let God control things yeah. and you get passive, then somehow life becomes easier because he's now more in control of it or something. And it can really devastate people because they are like, I really thought I was in the perfect will of God, but hard things are happening to them. Yeah. And they're like, why? If I'm in the perfect will of God, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And it's like, well, if that's true, then perhaps these things are part of that. But right. it's also a misunderstanding of even God's will. Yeah. Uh, this idea of walking by the Spirit, it's also described in Romans 8, verse 4. And there it's described as a setting your mind on the things of the spirit. And again, that, that's helpful because it tells us that we need to be immersed in biblical speaking or uh, biblical thinking. It's, he's saying, set your mind on the things of the spirit. It's not this get mystically in tuned yeah. with the spirit. It's a thinking category. And which we would argue again is um, having a right and proper biblical theology, understanding the scriptures well. And then a bit later, he continues to unpack that even more, um, that it's described as subjecting yourself to the law of God, uh, verse 7. And then later on in verse 13, it's, it's explained actually as putting to death sin. So and again, you can't know sin unless you know the word, because the word is what's going to tell you this is sin. Right. And so that's how you then can put it to death. Yeah. Um, another passage is 2 Peter 1, 5 through 6. Now, we dealt with this, um, but it says, Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. In your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance. In your perseverance, godliness. He goes on to say, and in your godliness, brotherly love, and then in love. Um, now, we dealt with it in other podcasts, so we won't go into it here. Um, the key thing about this passage, though, is that self-control, like so many other things listed here, is evidence and actually assurance of your salvation, or better, the assurance of your election. So this is good for those who are Calvinists, and they're all certain that they're elect because they understand the doctrines of grace, so therefore they must be elect. And it's like, no, Peter would say it this way. He says, if uh, in chapter 1, verse 10, at the end of this list, he says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent 
to make certain about his calling and choosing of you or electing of you. How do you do that? For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. And so to be not growing in these should be a concern for anyone with regard to their soul. But what's also interesting to me is how self-control is actually one of the first on the list. It's one of those foundational qualities that's so necessary to grow as a Christian. So we determine first to make no more excuses. We're going to begin to add to our faith. And that then absolutely will drive you to to want to know. It's a knowledge that's more than just facts. It's the idea of comprehending or understanding. And then as we know and understand, that's where we begin to learn self-control. Why? Because it's never going to be done in a vacuum. Um, Self-control doesn't just happen is what we're trying to say in this whole series. It, It has to have boundaries that are drawn and defined. And we don't get to define those boundaries God is the one who does it. So as you begin to learn and understand what God desires of you as a Christian, then you will begin to walk in a manner worthy of what he has called you to do. Yeah. So six then, uh, self-control requires effort and diligence. Um, 1 Timothy 4, 7 is a good one, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So Clearly, self-control requires discipline. Paul is clear here. Um, but, <laughs> it says it. <laughs> but yeah, but biblical discipline uh, means being trained in the right things and for the right reasons. Um, notice in verse 3 that there are these false teachers who are advocating a false self-control, uh, rules without grace, rules not born from the freedom of the gospel. And Paul says these are men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. Um, so these are those these false teachers, but the rules are ones that are that that bind and enslave people. They see the physical world here as something evil rather than all things created as good and worthy of therefore being accepted. And so Paul says, though, to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. In fact, he goes on in verse 8 and says this, For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Uh, the idea of physical exercise, therefore, in, in discipline has some value. He's not saying it's of no value. Yeah, it's not that you should eat Big Macs only. Right. <laughs> it's it's good to, uh, you know, lift a weight every now and then. Um but it's not the ultimate goal. Um, rather, spiritual exercise and discipline is because it's valuable for all things in all time. And in a weird way, this is where leadership comes into play. Um, this may sound a little strange, but just bear with me. Um, in Exodus 32.25, it talks about uh, the golden calf. And so when Moses saw that the people were out of control— uh, and, and what that is, is they're actually having orgies and, and just, it's a mess. Um, but then it says, for Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision among their enemies. Um, this, this verb has three basic meanings of control. Uh, the second is the one that's of interest to us. It means to let loose in the sense of letting run wild. Um, so in Second Chronicles twenty eight nineteen it says, For the Lord humbled Judah because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he had brought about a lack of restraint in Judah, 
and was very unfaithful to the Lord. Uh, the point that I'm trying to just say here is um, part of this is going to be coming from those who are in positions of leadership. They're the ones that will determine the atmosphere in which those who follow operate. So what, what, do I, what, am, what am I getting at? So when you have a nation and, and the leaders of the nation are without restraint, then we ought not be shocked that the nation goes into it. We see that in America, right? right? Yep. As we're, I mean, our Supreme Court just, oh. um, but we see it in churches too, uh, where the where the pulpit is weak because the man there is not a man of God. Um, then the church becomes weak. You see it in the business, but you really see it also in even the home, where the husband, the head of the home, is not setting that standard of self control with regard to things like maybe food or money. And, if, if he has no self-control, then there's no help to a struggling wife or a struggling kid. Hopefully, he can look at his son who's struggling with anger and say, hey, buddy, you don't see me losing that. You know, yeah, but how? How are you doing? And then he can come alongside and help his son or daughter, right, work that through or whatever it might be. If, if the, the head of the home is filled with fear, he ought not be shocked that his whole family is paralyzed yeah. by fear. Uh, in Hebrews 5.14, uh, we have a good verse that says, but solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Uh, when you are, in other words, trained and disciplined, you can readily and properly take, a, take on or take in solid doctrine. And, and here again, we see a need to move beyond just a basic grasp of the gospel and begin to plumb its depths, if you will, and consider all of its effects in our lives. Um, but it, it cannot stick if there's not a training there, if there's not a self-discipline that takes place to discern what is good and what is evil. Um, there's a relationship here between that solid food yeah. and, and your ability to yeah. do something with it. <laughs> um, and the, the terms in, in this passage here describe them in a very sad way. Um, they're described as dull, unskilled, uh, children, infants, needy, unable to discern good and evil. Um, but, but what are the characteristics of the mature? Well, he goes on in verses 11 through 14, and it's a stark contrast. He says, teaching, um, they're, they're teachers, they're, they're sharp of hearing, that is, they're not dull, they're, they're reproducing, making disciples, uh, practicing self-control, they're self-disciplined, and they're discerning. Um, now, compare that with Ephesians 4, 13 through 14, where Paul says, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, as a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness, and deceitful scheming. So note, note the vulnerability of the people in the Hebrews passage. They're unable, they cannot discern good and evil. And why? Well, it's due to this lack of diligence, this lack of practice, this lack of training or effort. It's literally the word there that we get our word gymnasium. Um, there, there's, an, there's an exercise in there. Yeah. Um, so we, we can make a few conclusions. First, maturity is more than just knowing, intellectually knowing solid doctrine. It's actually practicing it. Um, and of course, you cannot practice what you do not know. Um, second, there's no way to become mature. It requires practice. It requires effort. 
Um, I mean, this is Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Um, and until that happens, a person is incredibly vulnerable and in a, a dangerous place. And as pastors, there's many reasons to have concern with this, with some with whom we care for. Um, you know, what are they investing their time and their energy in? Um, you know, books, movies, time management, money, investment, relationships, all these things that distract. They can quote to you, you know, the latest stock price or line from a movie, but they can't yet control their tongue. Um, how many times have we heard uh, those young in the faith tell us that it'll be all right? It's oh, gonna, yeah. It's gonna be yeah okay. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. I got this. Yeah. It's like, no, you don't. Well, and that's proven in how many are no longer walking in the faith. Yeah. And it's devastating. We've seen that many times. Um, the, the path of life is littered literally with, you know, broken bodies and of these immature. Um, and why? Because they just never had self-control. Right. And, and probably no one who ever came alongside them who modeled that and challenged them and provoked them and called them to it. And so now, it, even if they're in Christ, it's a life that they, they end up limping into eternity with because of choices. So... This is uh, this series. We understand is not a fun series. It's not necessarily happy uh, to hear these things, uh, but we believe that this series is an important one because it speaks of what is really it really looks like to actually run that race that God has set before us. We do not enter the kingdom of God on the coattails of another person. Instead, we must be like Paul. We're running that race, but we're running it so as to win and not find ourselves in the end disqualified. And so that's self-control, and we hope it's been helpful. We've given you a lot to think about in all of this. Um, next time we'll talk about something else. Um, but until then, make sure that you tune in, that you join the conversation, as we always say. We'd love to hear your thoughts on repentance and conversion, as well as uh, self-control. Self well, yeah. whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm just reading the scripture. But, and don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell a friend.